Welcome back to the Mass Cube, Get a Cube podcast. My name is Brandon Hall. I'm thrilled to be interviewing my friend Jared Perrine today. Jared is the Director of Innovation Technology and Digital Learning at the Benjamin Banneker Charter Public School in Cambridge. Jared is also a MassQ and Meta board member. Jared, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Jared, thrilled to talk to you tonight about uh, active use computing. Um, I know we've talked a bit about this already you know, in um, our own conversations, but I'm thrilled uh, for our listeners to hear a little bit about what you guys are doing at Benjamin Banneker. Yeah, I'm 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 thrilled to be talking about it. I, you know, it's something that uh, I've I've been working on at my school for probably since 2017, and um, and I've you know um, on the various organizations that I work with, such as MassQ, I'm I've, I'm happy to to be you know I've hosted a last year I hosted a learning tour on the subject. Um, you know, and I've been working with with people um, uh, in various school districts from around the area to um, to to get this this kind of um, this kind of concept into their technology plans because because I think it's it's game changer. So you know, when you integrate this idea into your school system, um, what sort of was the impetus behind it? Well, <laughs> honestly, um, you know, the, I think probably, I think it was maybe the last time, uh, maybe two tech plans ago, um, when I was starting to do the research, uh, and put together all the documentation, I came across the national ed tech plan. Um, and people can, can, you know, can Google this, or if they want to go to, uh, tech.ed.gov, um, they can see this document and it's, it's something that's been around since about 2015, um, but um, gets updated regularly. Um, and there's a, you know, reading through it, it's, it's a brilliant document. In fact, I, I believe, you know, out of this document uh, came, you know, things like the, like the Future Ready group. Um, and, and, and inside, there's a very small infographic, but, but it was the gold mine in this document to me. Um, there's an infographic that talks about the seven areas of active use computing. Now, if you if you Google active use computing or you look at, you know, look up active, uh, you know, hashtag active use computing, you're not going to find a lot of stuff out there. But this is something that educators have been talking about for a really long time. This this whole concept of active learning, right, where where uh, students really engage with their own learning um, it, it's, it's something that sort of reinforces and makes the, the learning stronger. Um, so th this isn't a new concept, but the idea um, of how to effectively use your technology actually isn't also, it's also not a new concept. Um, you know, we've been talking about this for a long time. Um, when we talk about Bloom's taxonomy, um, about, you know, are we, are we doing just the bottom layer? Are we just, you know, remembering, understanding, are we, are we, you know, creating, evaluating and analyzing, you know, it's something we've talked about with the SAMR model, right? Are we, are we, are we merely just substituting something that we could do with paper and pencil? Are we, are we using the technology to redefine our learning and teaching? Um, and so, so this, this infographic is just a great, um, it, it, it illustrates the seven areas um, that that teachers and districts can be can be using their technology to effectively have um, their their students creating, producing, collaborating, um, and, and reaching out with you know and and, and 
um, talking with experts um, all around the world. Um, so it, it just, it, for me, it stood out in the document and, and um, it's been something that I've been trying to model with my teachers since, uh, like I said, since about uh, 2017. So, so let's break it down into sort of a micro and a macro level. How does it look um, in a classroom on the micro level? Well, I, I think it probably depends, you know, it depends on the classroom. It depends on sort of what area you're, um, you're really focusing on. Uh, um, in, in the document, there are, there are seven areas of active use computing, right? We have coding, we have immersive simulation, we have media production, we have interacting with the experts, global connections, uh, design, uh, and peer collaboration. And, and I can tell you that um, back in 2017, I started a series uh, of professional development sessions for our teachers, and I chose to focus on coding, global connections, uh, design, um, and, and those were the, the three areas that I sort of focused on in one school year. And um, and the teachers really loved the, doing these uh, these trainings, uh, but the things that the thing that they gravitated to the most was obviously coding. It was very tangible. It was something that they could they could you know learn and then implement right away. Um, and um, and so for our teachers, that was over the next couple of years, we chose to focus primarily on coding, right? That, that doesn't mean that we didn't focus on, you know, uh, you know, what is design thinking, you know, uh, 3D design and 3D printing. That doesn't mean we didn't focus on media production and, and you know, um, you know, uh, peer collaboration was something that was huge in our district. But, but coding was something, you know, at, at the time we were, we were rethinking our learning spaces, um, and I was I was looking to um, essentially do away with the old computer lab, the old you know stationary IMAX um, where you know computer you know, kids come in and they you know they do whatever they you know they go on their their uh, tutorial websites or they do their testing or they do their typing. I wanted a, I wanted a space um, that you know uh, um, what I told my teachers is a shared production space. So we, you know, we, we did sort of a two year renovation of our computer lab into what we now call the digital learning studio. And for, for me, you know, that, that implies shared production space. And we have things in there, like we have our Lego walls. We have, we have probably seven or eight different kinds of, of robots. Um, we have, um, we have some 3d printers up front and all, all of the walls are whiteboard painted. All of our desks are mobile. So you can move them out of the way if you want to, you can put them in different uh, groupings. Um, and so, you know, so at least in our digital learning studio, what that looks like is, um, kids come in and they can do different pro uh, projects. Um, and in fact, they don't all have to be working on the same project. Um, you know, you can have different a tiered grouping. You can have um, different size groupings. Um, we have we have this. Uh, you know, it's like a twelve foot green screen that can comes comes down um, where the, the kids can work on their media production projects. Um, so so at least for our digital learning studio, um, what that looks like is you know kids actively engaged um with their with their robots with their you know macbooks that they have um in the classrooms though um we we had um we, we have something called uh, our our stem blocks um and and so for for our stem blocks this was a this was a an a period of time during each week 
where the teachers could could have the kids do passion projects, right? Um, it, kind of like Google does, um, where you know it could be um, it, it could be you know focused on coding, which is one of uh, a lot of our K two teachers chose to focus on based on our our training uh, dating back to 2016 2017 um, it's what they were the most familiar with in training it's what they uh, were most familiar with in sort of doing things on their own um, and, and and like I said it was really tangible um, and we had we had this equipment for them that they can borrow from the digital learning studio and so you know at least once a week um, uh, for the for, for the young the young kids, um, of course, they have centers, and they, they would build this into their centers daily as well. But but you know, at least once a week, they could they could do these passion projects, um, and um, you know, the kids could could. It was a time where teachers could differentiate. It was a time that the kids looked forward to, um, where they could they could bring some of the things that they were doing in our digital learning studio into the classroom. So that was a, a very long-winded answer to no, your question. No, no, no. But you, no, but you went from the micro to the macro level. So you're seeing, you know, the the, the expansion into the curriculum, and um, and I'm sure as kids start doing coding at K one and two, that they want to bring that skill and that concept with them as the, as they grow. Um, I, I guess my question, my next question would be, what sorts of kinds of things were kids creating um, that were on that higher level of the Samer model that you wouldn't have expected? from kids in that in that age group right well so the same the same model is um was about um you know re redefinition and modification right so um you know how <laughs> kids learn um about coding um in English class, right? Like in, in, in ELA, right? Like you, the, the whole concepts of, of, uh, you know, sequencing and, uh, first then, um, and then that, right? Like you, you know, or if then they, you know, they, they learn these skills and it doesn't just have to be in our, um, quote unquote technology classes or innovation labs or whatever. Um, but, you know, having these pieces of technology where you can do, where you can do coding with um, Scratch, where you can do coding with Tinker, where you can have an iPad and be using the Sphero app, right? Um, th these kinds of things allowed them to do challenges. Um, and, and, and in our makerspace, in our library, in our digital learning studio, mo most of what the kids would be doing with, with their robots would be um, uh, solving problems, right? Like, um, for example, in our um, innovation lab, which is something that I have been doing the last six or seven years, I take a small group of kids um, and it's an elective. Um, and during their lunch and recess, they come over and I, and I give them a, a series of, uh, of challenges uh, and, they're, and in, they, the challenge level increases as they sort of go through. So I have tape on my floor, for example, and they have to figure out how to code um, the spheros from point A to point B. Right. And then they have to, you know, and, and this, this allows us to talk about, um, you know, uh, you know, what, a, what is a right angle? Um, you know, um, <laughs> if you want to come backwards, you know, what, what is, what does that mean? What, you know, what is the whole concept of, uh, zero degrees or 360, 360 degrees? What does that mean? Um, we talk about, you know, uh, acute angles and, and whatnot. So, so they have to, they have to, um, 
it, like I said, and it gets more and more complex. And, um, you know, depending on how big the group is or how many uh, spheros we have that day, um, you know, they have to work in partners. And, that, and, that's, and that's another big piece of this, right? And, and um, you know, Tony, Tony Wagner is somebody who's been really inspirational to me. And it's just something he talked about way back um, many, many years ago, um, I, I heard him speak at Maskew and he, he talked about the importance of, you know, in these, in these activities, in these, um, uh, when the kids are making and producing, which is a very important, uh, skill for the workplace, they also need to be learning these interpersonal, you know, skills, how to properly work with other people and work in a group. And that's something that, you know, is, is part and parcel to these, these, uh, these, challenges that we have the kids to. Yeah, so tell me, you know, going back a little bit, tell me about the, the, the future ready group. Cause I'm not, I don't know a ton about it. Uh, well, the, the, you know, the future ready group, um, I, I can tell you how, how, how I've used them. Right. So the, the future ready group, um, is, uh, I, I use the future ready toolbox, um, to, to help in my tech planning, um, which is, you know, um, Part of uh, the, the, there's a there's the future ready challenge, which um, challenges superintendents to essentially agree that these things in the national ed tech plan, these these these, um, I, I believe in the um, the future ready call them gears, right? They they have eight gears that they focus on, um, and these these things in the in these gears are are you know, deeply important to the future of our students. And, um, they're, you know, it's, it's kind of a redefining of, of what we should be focusing on in our schools. And, and so, you know, superintendents are supposed to take these, uh, to, to sort of take this, this challenge on. And of course the next step would be to, to form a team in your district, right. Um, uh, made up of, of, um, you know, key decision makers and, and change implementers, right. Um, and this, you know, if you could think about this, uh, if you're a technology director, you think about this as your tech team, right? This is your, this is your team that you go to when you're sitting down to, um, you know, do your technology plan, right? Um, but it, but it's even more than that because Future Ready talks about the importance of, of um, putting together a team of people who it's it's not just the people in your technology department, right? It's it's um, you know top to bottom, it's it's people who know your district and can implement these changes people that have bought into this um this future ready um challenge and and um can can do this assessment right and that's the next piece so once you've assembled your team you do this assessment um and they ask you really sort of in-depth key questions about um about your district and about what happens in your district. And, and then you, you essentially get the results of your, of, of this assessment. And it, it's, um, it's, it's very lengthy. I mean, I think, I think what ours was probably 40 some pages long of, and you get this, this very rich information, um, and that you can then use to sort of plan, you know, your technology plan going forward. So sort of like a digital knee ask then. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, Honestly, there are there are other um, there are other groups out there like this and other assessment tools, um, but Future Ready is something that um, that we use during our last tech plan cycle um, and pretty effectively. Awesome. So um, you know, as we're kind of wrapping up here, it's been a quick fifteen minutes, believe it or not. But um, what do you have going on on the horizon that you'd like to talk about? Oh boy. Well, we do have um, that. we do have the fall <laughs> conference. We have the fall conference coming up, so we've got that. 
Sure, sure. Well, um, you know, I've not missed a MassQ conference in um, almost 20 years at this point. Um, So it's something I definitely look forward to. Um, We have, um, uh, for for my school, um, I'm I'm very excited, um, you know, part of part of what I try to do every year um, is roll out systems and procedures and things to, to make things easier for my for my students and, and uh, teachers and some of the some of the things that I'm excited for in my district and my school is um, uh, we've we've uh, rolled out a single sign-on in our rostering product uh, called Classlink um, so you know our, our teachers and students have one username and password to remember for everything which makes things so much easier. Uh, for them, um, you know, there's there's very little learning time, or you know, how do I do this? What what's the username and password again? Right, right. Um, um, we're, we rolled out a, da- a data warehouse product this year uh, to really get all of our internal assessment data, all of our um, all of our MCAS and iReady assessments, all all of our benchmarking stuff. All all of this is in one place. All of our attendance, all of our discipline records, so that we can make informed decisions. Uh, so that's uh, that's something. Thing that we've just rolled out um so yeah so it, it was a busy summer yeah that's a lot <laughs> any kind anytime you're talking about tracking that kind of data with that many data points that's a it's a massive massive project um so very exciting to hear about um where can people find you online jared so you can find me on twitter at uh wired pilgrim um you can you can check out our school at banneker.org uh, if you want to see the um Gosh, we have I've created a repository of all of our past professional developments going back to 2016. If you'd like to see that, you can find it at banneker.org slash pastpd. Excellent. I'm writing that down because I want to take a look at it. And I'll drop Great. that into the notes, the podcast notes. I've got a couple of things here that I want to put in there of things that you've mentioned here. But um, Jared Brine, thank you so much for coming on. Um, always learn a ton every time we talk. Uh, I appreciate everything you've done for me personally um, and for our listeners here today. Uh, thanks a lot, Jared. That's my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and anywhere podcasts can be found. This is the Get a Q Podcast from MassQ, here to educate, connect, and inspire.